Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. On the heels of last week's episode, we're going to dive right in this week and talk about agreements. So agreements got my attention, Cam, when we were talking about accountability, because as that episode unfolded, I was realizing that for me, agreements are such a big part of creating a meaningful workday for me. And it's not just in terms of accountability, although that's part of it. You and I have certain agreements doing this podcast together. My former business partner and I, who is still an accountability partner, we split entities on the front end, but she is still a source of support for me. We have agreements about our roles and ways to check in with each other, and these help hold me accountable. But more so than that, agreements also help me know what my role is and what my role is not, what I'm responsible for and what I'm not. In times like right now where my whole life is undergoing massive transition, it helps me redefine with my collaborators. You know, where can I adjust my agreements so that we don't have to stop doing this work so that I can stay in it, but I can stay in it honoring the bandwidth that I have now? Yeah, now you're talking about boundaries, right? Yeah, that too. Yeah, so seeing how agreements really help with accountability, with roles and responsibility, with, with boundaries. And these are all episodes that we've put out already. They like are. Last week was accountability. We've done boundaries. We've done roles and responsibilities. And that, again, we're bringing in agreements here of how valuable they are, number one. Number two, they can be really tough. They can be really difficult to generate and to honor when you have ADHD. Absolutely. And so... I'm glad you say that up front, Cam, because as we talk about what agreements mean for me now, as I've said in previous episodes, and I'll reiterate here, listener, you have to know that I may make it sound easy in this half an hour episode, but this is years of me doing my own work to figure out what works for me, to get to this place where I recognize the importance of agreements and what they do for me in terms of creating a meaningful workday and really creating a meaningful life. So we're going to dig into that. We're going to dig into agreements for you and how they work for you. And also kind of before agreements, just like with sleep, it was sort of Shelly before she had an agreement around sleep and, and what was that like? But before we do that, kind of to look at agreements at a higher level, there are these agreements that we have with others, these external agreements. There's also the internal agreements that we create with ourselves. And I think this can be a particularly challenging for those of us with ADHD is that there's a, not, there's a couple of things that are going on here is that we can create an agreement and then with a fallible memory, we'll make an agreement and then we, we forget it. It fades. I want to dig into your story around agreements and how they work for you in part of how you keep them fresh. I think that's a a thing that happens is we'll make a declaration. We'll make an agreement. You know, I'm going to show up this way. And then it fades somehow or our situation changes and we adjust to that. So there's these internal agreements we make and there are external agreements. I want to go to the lunch counter briefly 
Mount Rainier and kind of look at what's happening above the lunch counter that can kind of have challenges. So agreements can be tough. They can be really challenging because of a couple different things. And I, I go back to you with your values around like freedom too and flexibility. Those are principles and values that you use to kind of inform your agreements. I think others will actually kind of flip that or a word you used last week is invert. They will develop agreements to kind of make everything kind of free and flexible. There was a client I had who was a college student and they would get up in the morning and in that moment, they would decide whether they were going to class or not and based that on their current feeling. So this sort of like these little micro decisions that we will make of getting up and like, you know, do I feel like going back to emotional organizing? And what he didn't have, because he didn't have that explicit agreement to just say, you know what, I'm going to commit to going to class. I'm no longer going to make that be a decision that I make in the moment, but I'm going to have that agreement. He didn't have that. So then the agreement became this implicit one of, I'll make up my mind when the moment arrives. And so guess what? 50% of the time, he's not going to class. And he's covering it with this sort of like, hey, you know, I'm a flexible guy. I like, I like my freedom. I don't want to have to like answer to everything and go someplace. When in fact, he was really covering for a glitchy activator to be able to transition from getting out of bed, launching for the day. His ADHD is coming into play. And he had an agreement that actually kind of covered that, allowed for that. So there's agreements that we create that actually are not helpful. The other thing that happens is, and I think we're going to talk about this around your agreements, is this up above the lunch counter, is this agreement fader. We make an agreement and it's good and it's strong and, it's, and then it, it fades. Our attention goes elsewhere. There's a stronger signal elsewhere. There's a shock to the system. COVID has turned everything upside down. We forget. We put an agreement down and then we misplace it and we forget that it was there and then we no longer have it. So we have this agreement fade that occurs too. So there's a couple different things that are going on that make agreements doubly challenging for those of us with ADHD. Absolutely, Cam. And before we dive into what's working for me now, I kind of want to share something that I'm still a little embarrassed by from not that long ago when I was still working primarily as an organizer. This is circa 2013 or 14. I was asked to chair a committee for the National Association of Professional Organizers. So this was chairing a committee at the national level. And I was taking over the committee from someone who helped me transition. So I had a pretty good idea of what my role was. And there was some opportunity to expand and redefine that role, which I did. But then about halfway through my term, my attention to that agreement started to fade. And by the time my term was over, I don't even know who took over for me, Cam. I did no transition work. I turned over nothing. I taught this person nothing. I don't even know who it was. I couldn't tell you what was going on in my personal life at the time or what else was going on that was a stronger signal. 
but I had ceased paying attention to this completely, 100%. And it's still something every once in a while that I think about and think, wow, wow, I really screwed the pooch on that one. I really messed that one up. And it, it opens us to this, again, back to regret, strong emotions about past experiences. What are they thinking? I really messed that up. Woulda, shoulda, coulda type language. You know, if, if only I could have a do over there. When in fact, the real opportunity is to look at you know, what happened over that period of time that had that agreement fade. And then the experience, as you said, it's sort of, you got, it's kind of like washed out of that, right? It was like you washed out of that position, out of that role, the boundaries, the accountability all faded there. So what do you think it was? Just again, back to the, what had the agreement fade for you there? I believe that other things had my attention. There were stronger signals. This is at the time that I was beginning to acquire business partners. So there were other things that I was paying attention to. There was certainly some frustration within the organization too. So maybe a little bit of rage quitting was part of that without realizing that's what I was doing at the time. And I think that as the role started to develop, it almost became too big. So I did not have explicit agreements with my underlings, with the people on my committee. I was doing too much. I didn't know how to delegate. Delegating, there's another opportunity for agreements, and I didn't know how to do that. So, you know, most of the time it felt easier to just do something myself than to delegate it or make an agreement with one of my underlings to do it for me. And so the whole thing just got overwhelming and other things had my attention. And so it just slowly vanished. And I'm, I'm noticing a little bit of that guilt, shame, a little bit there, when in fact, you just nailed it. And I think this is something that our listeners do. What they do is they think about agreements is they're static. Like we establish agreement, we have the agreement, and then we go forward thinking we have to honor that agreement when actually the job changed. It got bigger. It was bigger than you thought it was. It evolved. And your agreements did not evolve with the job, which is, I think, back to having a meaningful workday is that we kind of make our plan, we develop our agreement, and we lock in, not thinking we can change that. We set an expectation. Okay, you made this plan. We got to deliver on this plan. And so the thing that you said about now and the power of agreements is it's really this dynamic undertaking. You're always considering, you're always renegotiating. As things change, it's about keeping these lines of communication open. Yeah. And so the person that taught me that and where I first started to learn about the power of agreement was actually when I was partnered with Jen for all of those years. So Jen is a neurotypical. We went into partnership together as professional organizers offering services that were in line with one another. So we had a lot to offer to our clients collectively. And that's why we went into business together. But we also went into business together to support one another on the back end. Cam, you know how hard it is to be out there in the world as a solo entrepreneur. It's tough. It can feel very lonely. 
it can feel like you don't have sources of accountability, like no one else is invested in your success in the way that you are. And so we wanted to provide that for each other too. And so she has a high communication need. So when I would go into Hoth, that was a problem for her. Meanwhile, I'm starting to learn about Hoth because you and I are coaching together. And so I'm taking my learning in our coaching sessions and the topics that I'm bringing around how to be a better partner to this person, and I'm bringing it back to her and I'm doing some translating work. And she and I together are starting to make agreements because she's asking me thoughtful questions like, well, when you're in Hoth, when you stop communicating, what should I do? How can I reach out? You know, how can I send you a signal to let you know that whatever context you're imagining or making up about me not communicating with you, that I'm mad at you or that I'm frustrated that you're not communicating with me is just not there. And we built and grew it from there. And I noticed that then I started to do it more and more with other people. I started to do it even more with my clients to the point that anytime I notice an implicit agreement now or what I perceive to be an implicit agreement, I will stop and say, and anyone who knows me, friend, family member, collaborator has probably heard this phrase. I am a big fan of explicit agreements over implicit ones. So I just want to say out loud what I think we've already agreed to and make sure that that's what we actually agree to. Then I will say the agreement out loud and just make sure. Big or small, it doesn't matter. It's about checking in and making sure that we are actually on the same page because perception is everything. No two people walk through this world viewing and contextualizing and understanding things the same way. So the more you make super explicit agreements, the more you know that you're on the same page with another person, which also then makes it easier to check in if, Cam, you're not meeting your agreements. We've agreed to what they are. So I don't have to wonder, well, is he supposed to do this or should I just do it? Should I just take it over? We've made this agreement. So I can check in and be like, hey, Cam, what's up? And vice versa. If I need to adjust an agreement, I can say, look, I know we agreed to X. But right now, my life is a little crazy. I need some room here. What can we do? Can we do anything to make some room here? Knowing that I want to get back to the agreement of X. But right now, I need some support. I think looking at what is an implicit agreement so our listeners can sort of have a starting place. And and I think that implicit agreements are, it's a very human thing. The brain is very additive in the sense that we're sort of filling in the blank all the time. It's a self-preservation thing. We're quickly trying to assess. And so we're assuming we're going to go ahead and, and have an opinion. This is an opinion that comes in and implicit being it's sort of natural. It just happens. You know, so back to the workday for our listeners of what does this have to do with creating a meaningful workday? is that you make your plan and then an implicit agreement is sort of like, okay, well, I got my plan and um, I'm going to start, but I'm going to give myself five minutes here to look at Twitter, just five minutes. That's an agreement that is kind of just natural. And it's based on this, I'm going to get started, but I don't have to start now. So we don't have this explicit agreement of when am I actually starting? And so we can kind of roll through our day with these sort of just rolling out these implicit agreements that are operating in the background 
and driving behavior. Yeah, Cam, those are great examples of internal implicit agreements, but there are also external implicit agreements that can happen. And sometimes those implicit agreements aren't correct. They aren't the agreement that would be made if it was made explicit. And I have an example regarding this show. You and I made lots of explicit agreements. We both really have a high need to know our role. And among those explicit agreements were the fact that I was going to edit the show and I was going to publish the show, which included publishing it to the website that I created. Those were all explicit agreements. An implicit agreement that got rolled into that was the show's Twitter account. I just assumed that since I'm the show publisher, I'm in charge of the Twitter account too. And so all I would do with the Twitter account is I would post that week's show. One day, Cam, you asked me, why don't we do more with the Twitter account? I think my answer was something like, I don't have the bandwidth right now to do something more with the Twitter account. This is all I can handle is just posting the episode every week. And you said, well, can I tweet from that account? Well, sure you can. And you're doing a fantastic job, by the way. You've grown the following from like 100 followers to like 1,500 followers in the time that you took it over because managing that Twitter account really plays to your strengths. You can think back to older episodes and pull out little snippets based on what you're thinking about right now. It's a gift of yours that I do not have on board. So it's easy for you. But we would have never discovered that had you not specifically asked about it because I was operating under an implicit agreement that Twitter was my responsibility when in fact we had never actually agreed to that. And had we had that conversation sooner, you might've wanted to take the Twitter account from the start. Yeah. So we're making these important distinctions here between internal and external agreements and and within each of those implicit and explicit that if we don't make an explicit agreement, then an implicit agreement will kind of naturally fill the void. And so Listeners, as you're listening in here, where we want you to start is not with explicit agreements because they're just gonna, you're just going to be trying to pave over all these implicit agreements you already have, but to pause and consider what implicit agreements are you creating both internally and externally? And does there need to be something that is more explicit, more specific? I think that's the the basis of getting clear on the specifics. What is at stake? What are we trying to do? And again, in service of the bigger objective, me taking over the Twitter was in, in part to help you, number one. Number two was to, again, to broaden our base with respect to the podcast to grow the listenership. So... I want to call attention to a second piece here. I love that, Cam, the idea of not paving over (laughs) all of the existing implicit agreements with new explicit ones, but also knowing that you have some explicit agreements in place. This is that ADHD phenomenon of saying yes without necessarily knowing what we're agreeing to or saying yes because we feel like we have to, because we have to make up for, like we're not allowed to say no. And not at the time you're saying yes, not recognizing that you're making an agreement. Our first agreement doing this show was both of our explicit yes to doing the show. And then every other agreement that came after was about defining our roles so that we would keep 
doing the show. But it started with that first yes. And could you imagine if we just stopped there, Cam? If we just stopped with yes, we'll do the show? <laughs> we would have never got an episode out the damn door. <laughs> well, and uh, we're coming up on 50. I know. You know. So, I mean, we would we would not be anywhere near 50 episodes. I love you bringing in our propensity to say yes, because in that moment, it's the biggest signal, the idea generator up above the lunch counter, the agreement fader, right? It's like, we don't realize we're making an agreement there. We're just like, we're jumping into a, an idea. This is cool. This is awesome. We're not considering with that agreement comes time, attention, and energy of how much am I going to have to expend on this commitment? So as we agree to something, we're not really considering it as a formal agreement, number one, and all of our other agreements fade. It's, it's such a fascinating phenomenon that is specific to ADHD, how we just focus on the biggest signal, the biggest opportunity, and everything else that we've agreed to, and we have agreements around, fade into the background. Cam, managing that is something you modeled for me so beautifully when I made the ask for you to co-host this show with me. I don't remember exactly what your answer was, but it was something along the lines of, I want to say yes, but I need to know what I'm committing to first. We didn't get to a full yes, we're doing this until we defined our roles. And you knew what your commitment was, and you knew that that was something that you could do consistently over time, because part of that commitment was we agreed to do this for a year. Now, don't worry, listeners, we've already agreed to a second year, so we're not going anywhere at episode 52, but our initial commitment was we want to do this consistently for a year. So what does that look like in a way that both of us can actually keep showing up while honoring our other commitments? And it was you that modeled that for me. And that was an aha moment for me because that showed me, hmm, I can approach commitments differently. And it's okay to ask up front, what am I committing to? What is going to be my role here? Before I say yes, before I say I want to do this. As you're talking there, I'm just, I'm thinking about all these different themes that are intertwining here. Last week, we talked about accountability and when Casey and I muscled through, kept modifying our agreements because we knew that there was something here. The bigger context, the bigger meaningful work, that the amazing work was revealed. You and I with this podcast, we're having so much more fun now than we did back in December when we were newbies and we're just starting. We're right? slogging it's, through it sometimes, slog- right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and now it's like we get in, we're locked in, we know our roles. And, and again, the, the work is revealing itself. And so, you know, the week before with emotional organizing, it's, it's you know, emotional organizing can kind of like create this picture this false picture of what is going on. And so getting to and distilling down, what are the nuggets of work? Revealing the amazing work. I came with confidence. When you asked me, I I could confidently say, okay, this is what I'm willing to do because, again, I know my areas 
of add value. And I know my areas of not add value. I know them very well. Or I'm, I'm, Again, it's been a, a work in progress. But back to that, for me, the Pareto principle of the 80-20 rule of knowing my add value 20%. What are those specific areas where I can contribute and add value? And knowing that and having comfort with that. And that, again, folding in another theme of sense of self, self-identity, knowing who I am. I want to, we'll finish out here. But again, as you look at these agreements, consider agreements on a couple different levels here. They're the agreements of the day. It's the what and the when. What are you doing? When are you doing it by? That's the day. The agreements with yourself is, again, that's that who who you are and what matters to you. And then this is to this bigger context. And you alluded to this around emotional organizing with when we don't have that North Star, when we don't have that compelling why, the bigger piece, then we start to fill that in with stories that are scary and have us sidestep, hesitate, not move forward necessarily. And not make compelling agreements. Well said, Cam. I don't even think I have anything to add there. I think that's a lovely place to pause and wrap for today. What do you think? Wow. 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 Hey. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, that's a good place to wrap. There's so much more that I could say on agreements. I think that we could come back to it again and again. I think that diving more into external agreements versus internal agreements and looking at those individually at some point in the future would be super useful. But for right now, listeners, I would say if you're going to take something out of this episode, it would be to start to pay attention to your existing implicit and explicit agreements. And in both cases, where would you benefit from making that more explicit or adding layers to that agreement. So if you have a big overarching agreement to do a big thing, how can you make more agreements that help define your role and the roles of the other people involved? And don't be afraid of renegotiating of if you're overextended, which most of us with ADHD are, is how can you walk something back? How can you ask for help? Hey, I didn't anticipate that this is going to be this way. Back to the NAPO chairship that you had, right? Not on that committee, but to sort of like, again, nothing is set in stone. And that's what ADD does. For a creative bunch of people, we will want to lock things in, expectation. That's that perfectionism. We kind of want to have this sort of like, okay, this is the way my day should be. When in fact, it's very dynamic and allowing it to, as it plays out, to step back, notice it, and then translate, communicate to others what you're seeing and, hey, what adjustments do we need to make to be successful going forward? Well said, Cam. And the one thing I'll add to that is this show has been brought to you every week by that flexibility between Cam and I, by that ability to ask for help, because we have both in the course of this almost year, had our moments where we're overwhelmed, where we forget something and need to reschedule, where we need to adapt last minute, where we need 
longer term support because we've overextended for a period and all we can manage to do is show up and hit the record button. And we've worked together to do that. And when needed, we've employed some outside help. We have a volunteer editor that's been editing the show for several months now. His name is Alex. Thank you, Alex. We appreciate Thank you, Alex. you so much. Oh, man. He's a listener turned friend who volunteered to edit the episode knowing that I was getting overextended, knowing that my overextension was perhaps going to make the show have a shakier foundation. So he's been doing that for, gosh, I don't know, three or four months now. And having that off my plate has just been wonderful. And we're so grateful. And he does such a wonderful job that now I can't take it back because the show would sound so much worse. (laughs) So, yes. Ah, All right. So on that note, let's go ahead and wrap it up. But before we do just a couple of things, If you love what we're doing here on the show, the best way to help us out is leave a rating and review wherever you listen or tell a friend or an enemy. You can also support the show by becoming a patron. Visit the website, translatingadhd.com. Click on the Patreon link in the upper right-hand corner. For five bucks a month, you can join our Discord server and you support the show. Win-win. So until next week, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 